Well, guys, we're going to be studying the book of Psalms. Psalms is, is an amazing gift from the Lord. It's in the middle of our Bible. It's 150 uh, different songs or, or chapters, if you will. Uh, the Hebrew word tehillim uh, means praise. And when the Greek Septuagint was written, the word psalmos was inserted. Psalms or psalmos means literally to sing accompanied by stringed instruments such as the harp or to pluck together. Psalms is divided into five books, similar to the five books of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And the chapters are somewhat thematic, just like this hymnal from my youth might have a section on Christmas carols together. Uh, the, the hymns uh, in, in the book of Psalms are written by various authors. Now, obviously, as Christians, we believe that God's Spirit visited authors like David, who is credited with writing half of the Psalms, uh, but their pen wrote out these beautiful poetic words, and we're going to be spending five weeks studying them together. I just wanted you to know that some categories of Psalms, as compiled by a guy named Bernard Anderson, he suggests that there are seven categories. You can see them in the sermon guide. Some theologians say that there are as many as 20 different types or categories, but these seven include, and you can see this in your sermon guide, wisdom Psalms, like Psalm chapter 1. He who builds on the Lord is like a tree that will grow firmly. There are remembrance psalms, these recalling great events in biblical history where God clearly showed up. Moses happened to be the author of Psalm 90, considered the oldest of the psalms. A third category is wisdom psalms. Uh, I said that one already. Thanks psalms, like uh, Psalm chapter 40, I waited patiently for the Lord and he heard my cry. A fourth category would be praise songs, like Psalm 48, he will be our guide even till the end. Royalty psalms point, point towards Jesus being the fulfillment of Scripture and the true regal one who will reign forever. There's another category of psalms called ascent psalms, also known as pilgrimage psalms. These are all grouped together, Psalm 120 through 120. 34. I love 133. It says that when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, it's just such a beautiful thing. Psalms of Ascent suggest when the Israelites were moving uphill uh, physically and metaphorically towards Jerusalem for one of three festivals that happened annually. The festival of the unleavened bread or the Passover, the festival of the weeks, and the festival of booths which we locally call the Hinkle Fest. <laughs> no, I just had to say that. Okay, but um, would, would you like to hear uh, an, an Ascent song? Would you like to hear a modern day version? I didn't sense enough excitement about it. Yes or no? I, I found two in, in the current hymnal. One, one suggests the expectancy that I hope you felt as you prepared for church today. Good morning, Lord. Is that the attitude with which your family came to church today? I just can't wait to praise him. Right across from one is a little bit different. Maybe this was your attitude. Good Lord, it's morning. So I wonder which was yours. But are you sure you would like to hear one or two of these? So let's hear it. I tell you what, no, no, no. One of the instruments in the book of Psalms is our hands. You know you walked in with an instrument. 
Show that you want to worship the Lord and hear this ascent by doing some rhythm. We'll do a little selah in the middle of pause. Clap three times, then miss on four, and then clap one more time. You got this? Ready, go. Okay, that was, that was pretty good. You got a B minus. Here's a Psalm of the Ascent. I found it, it's, Psalm, it's song number 162 in this hymnal. <clears throat> birds are singing, all is well, and we're here to praise the Lord. Good morning, Lord, my dreams were sweet. I ate my oatmeal and flossed my teeth. As we head to church, we'll sing to you, and then we'll go to the Philly Zoo. Maybe this is more how you came today. This one's called Good Lord, It's Morning. Now, you can, you can almost feel the heat in the lyrics. One beautiful thing is the Lord allows us to come as we are and cry out to Him. Many moods and attitudes find expression in the Psalms. This one is so warm. You can almost feel the mercury rising. Good Lord, is it morning again? The kids were still screaming at 1 a.m. Church will be boring. The wife, she'll be snoring. Good Lord, it's Sunday. Tomorrow is Monday. What a world. That one would fit in the category of a lament or an imprecatory psalm where a curse is wished upon others. A full one-third of the psalms contain a lament. I like that the very middle of the Bible, you know, the Bible has 30,100 verses in it. I didn't count it, I, I researched it, okay? But the very middle two psalms of the whole book are almost like a gift from God to us. To me, they summarize the purpose of corporate worship, and I think they're on the screen for you to enjoy. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Say the rest of it with me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Isn't that gorgeous? I'm glad that the middle verse is not something that Ed Weiner and I have joked about. It's from Psalm 22, verse 6. I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Instead, the Lord reminds us to bless right at the core of his word. Well, folks, Psalm 139 is a poem. 
It is set to music, probably harp. The song has four verses or stanzas, and the authorship is attributed to David. Take in the words of this psalm, but I ask you especially, would you take in the tone, the mood? It is considered part wisdom, part lament, and part praise. Today, let's have a Bible study. Psalm 139. examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me and you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, 
Shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred. For your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me, lead me in the everlasting way. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, I pray that today we would be reminded of and experience the power of God's presence in this place, and that you would remind us of the permission we have to come before you and cry out. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you. O oh Lord, our rock and redeemer, amen. Where were you 21 years ago today? I was at Hershey Park with some friends here from church. Recalling what had happened five days earlier as I stood with 23 freshmen staring at a television and watching the second plane crash into the World Trade Center, after which we stood in rather total silence for the rest of that school day, I was harboring what I can remember from this acronym, UFO. Uncertainty, fear, and outrage. So fast forward to Sunday. I was waiting in line of a relatively new line with Chuck Garman, we were talking theologically about, is, is this the end of the world as we know it? We recall the rather silent skies with no planes being heard except an occasional F-15. Pop your hand up if you recall that week. You might remember exactly where you were when this evil deed occurred. But uh, as we were talking... Uh, we decided, you know, the bands that were scheduled to come, it was a Christian rock day at Hershey Park and no bands came because there weren't planes uh, working in, in great frequency yet by then. We just decided to lay it at, at, at the cross and as we ascended the 90-foot start of the Great Bear, my first time ever on the ride, with some trepidation, we just decided, let's sing a Rich Mullins song together and join myth, if you will. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, love, our God is an... Yeah, and we didn't time it this way, but as we said the last word, God, we were at the top, at the top and we began what Chuck called the 90-foot drop into the abyss. But as we did that, I just felt my heart was full again. I'm not sure, but I think Chuck's bladder was empty. <laughs> but what a special time. Uh, Pastor Mark is in charge of this series, and he asked us to begin by sharing what led us to the psalm that we have chosen. 
That event and others like it have caused Psalm 139 to be very meaningful. Look at verse 1. You have explored my heart. You have explored my heart, and you know exactly who I am. To explore my heart suggests to pierce through. The connotation is a searching for treasure. God notices the times we say no to temptation. He, he sees our altruistic attitude or action that maybe no one else notices. God is looking for treasure, and he's pleased by us. I appreciate, by the way, a literary technique in this first stanza. It's known as a mirrorism. It's where two contrasting ideas are used to represent an, an entirety. The first mirrorism in the Bible is the first book, the first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That suggests he created everything, not just in those extremes. Uh, David is awestruck that God remembers him when he's sitting and rising and everything in between, when he's going out and lying down and all the times in between. This poetic device, by the way, is still used today by songwriters, both secular and sacred. I think of James Taylor singing, winter, spring, summer, or fall. I'll be there. I'll be your friend at all times, not just when it's a Friday and work is done, but I'll be there for you on a Monday morning, on a cold day in January. Verse 4, you know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. Knowing this blew David's mind. You and I are bundles of contradictions. We don't even know ourselves sometimes, but God knows us. Ponder that. He knows the games we play trying to give ourselves a leg up, jockeying for advantage, bitter words before they even come out of our tongues, reacting instead of responding, harboring unforgiveness. Let's try to grasp God's omniscience by comparing it to another source of intelligence, artificial intelligence. I have a smartphone. <laughs> it dings two minutes after an unanswered text as if to say, remember, you have a text to answer. Isn't that crazy? Computer programs auto-fill in my sentences. Algorithms attempt to provide me with ads of perceived interest. But AI doesn't really know my deepest thoughts. This is a Google Nest Mini. I plugged it in this week, and I just for fun said, hey, Google, why am I so depressed? And Google spoke back to me. First with empathy and then insight. It said, I'm sorry you're feeling sad. Studies show that talking to someone might help. <laughs> and, then, and then I kept it plugged in and said, hey Google, why am I so excited? And the response was, hopefully data-based, uh, well, maybe things are going your way. Okay, I am actually amazed by the, the, the wonders of artificial intelligence, but does AI really know my emotions? No, but God does. He knows me, and he wants the best for me. I think a better comparison would be the attempt to look at, at human relationships. I have some grandkid examples. My oldest grandchild loves quality time with me, and we talk while working on our penny collection. Another grandson enjoys strawberries, but not raspberries, and he wants to be a barber and a face painter. 
A third grandson has left-handed tendencies, and he likes when I spell letters on his back, only to make up imaginary names of what the letters are, like Nugina. My granddaughter has beautiful eyes, and she sleeps better when we give her the Ellie right before bed. And another grandchild, his sadness turns to happiness with a simple game of peekaboo from behind artificial flowers. And changing his diaper goes better when he's holding something, <laughs> okay? God's knowledge, unlike mine, which is incomplete, and I forget and get them mixed up, God's knowledge of us is complete from before we were even born. It's not cumulative like our knowledge of humans or like a computer's attempts to see our behaviors and then pattern what uh, it thinks we want. I want you to know that God doesn't just understand you, but he knows 7.7 billion people simultaneously. Charles Spurgeon was a pastor in London during the American Civil War. He said of verse four, you are acquainted with all my ways. This knowledge should fill us with awe so that we sin not, courage so that we fear not, and delight so that we mourn not. A question for you, a challenge. If God actually needed to hear your voice in order to know your thoughts and emotions, would he recognize your voice? Do you speak to him? Do you cry out to him? Let's do that just now. Tell the Lord you want to have a vibrant two-way communication with him today. Spend just a moment now in silence and indicate that. And now, would you take some time to reflect on God's greatness for about three minutes. Reflect on his greatness as Anne-Marie plays.
Let's look at the second stanza of this magnificent psalm. How vast is the world? Traveling at the speed of light, it would take just 0.11 seconds to go around the earth, but 100,000 years to cross the galaxy. And yet, no event, no behavior, no thought, no emotion escapes his views. This should bring us to a profound comfort and simultaneously a sense of awe. God is 100% present when I need correction, and He is 100% present when I need comfort. I'm not alone, but I'm also accountable. No one can hide from God. Think of some Old Testament characters for a minute who might have tried to hide from God. Is your mind going back? Can you back? Adam? How about Jonah? He did not want to do the Lord's will, but God loved the Assyrians and wanted to save them, just as God loves our enemies too. You know God will be in hell. Look at verses 7 and 8. But He is not there. Some theologians have a problem with this verse, but others say, no, He will be in hell, but not as a convicted prisoner, rather as the righteous judge. Verse 12, I like the NIV's uh, wording for this. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. I want to share with you that I had a UFO on Friday the 13th of March 2020 when about 26 kids started cheering as the principal said, you will be missing school next week. Three of the kids, I call them the smart ones, they were starting to cry or say, no, what's this going to be? So I thought, for one week, God, I want to be with my students. And then it turned out, turned out to be the, the whole rest of the year. But during the, the months of pondering and the death of my precious mother and so many other things, I was reminded that the darkness does not hide us from the living God. And so at night, when you're having trouble sleeping, cry out to the Lord and the light of His Word will shine on you. Tim Keller says there is no refuge from God, only refuge in Him. God is present with you right now in the middle of your pain, whatever that might be. The third stanza, wow, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. This word knit suggests detailed embroidery with fine examples and great attention given to every single line. Other translation suggests a fencing in that comes with this. We're, we're just fearfully and wonderfully made, unique to each other. David did not have the benefit of something that came out in Sweden in 1956. What was it? ultrasound technology. So if he is praising God for something he could tell is happening, how much more should we, with the knowledge of science, praise the Lord for what he does in a mother's womb? I want you to know Pastor Ken and Lisa Hostler next week will be doing an interview. And Lisa pr uh, provided some statistical details about the developments in the preborn baby. The fertilized egg is the size of a grain of salt all ingredients are in place there for a fully functioning human. Eye color, hair color, 
unless you go to the cosmetologist, right? Uh, skin color, height, gender, and possibly even personality components. One thread of a DNA cell, if turned into a 12-point font and written out, would fill 1,000 volumes of a library. One cell. A whole body of cells would fill the, uh, what's that big hole out in Arizona? The Grand Canyon, 53 times. Hitting yourself helps in these situations. Did you know that at three weeks after conception, the heart is beating? Now, some studies show that's not for every baby, but as early as three weeks. Six weeks, brain waves are detectable. Nine weeks, see the embroidery? Fingerprints and kidneys are working. Fingerprints aren't working, they're seen, <laughs> okay? And at 12 weeks, the preborn baby can cry. Your body generates antibodies, renews its own outdated selves, and each of your eyes has an auto-focusing lens. And your body has 100,000 miles of blood vessels. Crazy. The Hand of Hope photo became famous in 1999. At four and a half months pregnancy, spina bifida was discovered. At Vanderbilt University, an incision was made, the surgery successful, and as the doctor was closing up the mother's belly, a time-life photographer named Mike Clancy got ready to snap it, and the preborn baby's arm came out and squeezed the doctor's finger. Four months later, the baby was born. Samuel Armas tells us recently, he says, life is a part of the master plan that is bigger than any of us. And that day, the photographer said, he changed his view about when life begins. Jeremiah 1.5 talks about this too. God said, Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. You know, every single moment the Passion Translation reads in verse 17, you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thoughts. Literally, precious here connotes value, being loved with a costly love, like love that would die on the cross for you. Notice that earlier the past tense was used. He created me, but now we're in the present. He considers me. You are an object of God's constant care and concern. Verse 18, O oh God, your desires toward me are, are more than the grains of sand on every shore. How many grains of sand are in this bottle? Guess to someone near you. I didn't count them. <laughs> How many? Do you think it's safe to say there might be a million? I, I think it might be safe. Oceanographers estimated the number of grains of sand in the world. Seven quintillion grains. That's seven followed by 18 zeros. And you want to see God's bigness again, yes or no? All right. If there are seven quintillion of these, there are, uh, astronomers estimate, 70 septillion stars in the universe. That's 10,000 stars for every grain of sand on the earth. The crowning creation of God's handiwork is not your pet. I don't think God thinks about Fido this much. 
It's not a sunrise. It's not the aurora borealis. Did you see the picture of the Milky Way in that montage? Sue Kreider, our church secretary, took the nature pictures, but not that one. So would you thank Sue for those pictures she took down at Middle Creek and, and just beautiful. Uh, she didn't do the, the Milky Way picture. That was her friend named Hubble. But the crowning creation of God's handiwork is not your pet, not a sunrise, not the aurora borealis. It's you and me. I'd like you to say with us, say with me, I am God's crowning creation. Say that. I am God's crowning creation. Spurgeon said, long before I began with Christ, he began with me. Question for you. In what situations have you wondered whether God was present? He was. In what situations have you avoided or run from God? He was there too. David Jeremiah says, God never gets distracted. He never forgets. He never oversleeps. He never goes on vacation. As we think about God's omnipresence and his omnipotence, his ability to create us and keep doing it. Philippians 1.6 says, the good work he's begun in you, those blood vessels and the eye thing and your heart issues and your blind spots, he's going to keep working on them until the day of Jesus Christ. Look at this list of four items. And I would like you, while Bill plays on the dulcimer for four or five minutes, would you actively take some time and give thanks to your ever-present Lord?
Wow, so, so I thought about excluding this nasty part next. And then I realized that's in there because the Spirit of God inspired men to write it and to protect it for all of these days. And so I'd like to suggest to you that we should address the awkwardness, the raw anger, the honesty expressed by David in verses 19 to 22. The New Testament, by the way, shows, uh, tells us to love our enemies. Hating the sin is important. And I think I need a little more hatred towards sin, but not the hatred towards others. So let's call that what it is. Nonetheless, it is so cool that David comes full circle. Proper perspective comes when we commune with God. A change of heart can only come from time spent in His presence. Looking at Psalm 139, 23, and 24, we see, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me, anything that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. David has already acknowledged that, that God has searched him already in verse 1. There's an irony here. Now he's just giving God permission to do what he has already said the Lord does. He wants to be held accountable. You know, Queen Elizabeth II is quoted as saying this in December of 2000 at Christmas. For me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework for which I try to lead my life. What an openness to the guidance of the Lord. In over Buckingham Palace last Thursday, a week ago, the double rainbow, you can call it coincidence, but sometimes God gives us little winks. And on a bad day, are you ending your day looking back and letting God remind you of the winks that he gave you? In Easter time, 433 AD, a Druid king in a small republic of then Ireland said, there will be no candles on Easter Sunday. But a missionary who had been called there after being a slave there, he said, I'm not going to honor that. And he lit a flame on the top of a rolling hill in Ireland. He said, I want everyone to know that God is my vision. Hundreds of years later, a poet summarized the thoughts of who we now know as Saint Patrick, a question for you. If you risked persecution for your faith and stood alone, would you still sing, Be Thou My Vision, if you were the only one in your community? Would you stand alone? And would you still cry out to God, Search me, lead me in the way everlasting? We're going to take some time now again to engage and ask the Lord to search us. I composed a list of 12 or so possible uh, blind spots that I have had in the past, but I thought instead, let God's Spirit speak to you what those might be. And I ask you during this time, there's a, a bulleted list of some possibilities you can look at. Would you just lay your burden down and confess it to the Lord? Let Him forgive and heal you. Give Him your UFOs, your anxieties. Allow Him to minister to you. As Caleb plays a beautiful Shane and Shane rendition of Psalm 139, worship the Lord.
You wrote the story of my life. You go before you fall behind. For a breath beyond my death, you were with me on the way to everlasting and I can't run I can't hide even darkness is a light from the lowest place to the highest praise you are worthy amazing love how can it be far too wonderful for me there's only one thing left to say you are worthy oh, oh. search me God and know my heart Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Yeah, oh, find the wickedness in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I can't run, I can't hide. Even darkness is a light from the lowest place to the highest praise. You are worthy, amazing love. How can it be? Far too wonderful for me. There's only one thing left to say. You are worthy. And you form me in my mother's womb. You know my frame, my flesh and bone. I'm wonderfully made. Oh, and I can't describe its way too high. You see me through and through you. Call me. darkness is as light to you from the lowest place to the 
God, omniscient one, present throughout the galaxy and in our hearts, powerful to create and sustain and redeem and rebuild and utilize. We lift our voices to you. We cry out. We thank you for the book of Psalms, and we thank you for the work you continue to do in each of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Be blessed, serve the Lord. Do come front if you wish to pray with anyone.